0: listening to Gizmodic Institute's radio.
1: In the not too distant future, on no specific date, there were two guys with the mutual love of MSD3K. They were on their way to watch a favorite show, but then things went bad as they tend to go. When they woke up, they were surprised to find they had been kidnapped by a scientist and launched to the sky. Now they're stuck in space until they've watched every episode of the show. That's the only way that Dr. Ox says he'll ever let them go Now we invite you to join our heroes as they travel both near and far Podcasting their grand adventures while hurtling through the stars It's time for Hispanic Institute's Radio So, Seth Yeah We finished watching the first season of Mr. Science Theater 3000 We did it! Yes, we did. It wasn't really that hard of a test no, since it we wasn't. loved the show. Oh, <laughs> it's Dr. our favorite Odd. show. Yeah. Oh, uh, that poor guy, may he, R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in pizza. Is that what that means? Yeah, rest in pizza, because he uh, died in a Chuck E. Cheese.
2: I thought it was remain in pieces.
1: Hmm. Well, he'll probably do that. Remain in pizzas while he's resting in... Oh, remain, remain in, pizzas. in pizzas.
2: Oh, no. I, always, uh, I always heard it. I never saw it written out.
1: Yeah, I've. Uh, I'm am I'm a definitely a reader, not a talker. Okay. So, uh, anyway, um, we finished the whole season. Yeah, we. did. So we had, you know, it, it was it was a fun time. It was. Good we enjoyed times. it. We we laughed. We cried. Yeah, discovered uh, a lot. But we were left with a few questions. We were left with several questions. So Seth. Yeah. You know what I thought. What did you think? We've got all this technology up here.
2: It's magical.
1: Uh, we're on a spaceship. Hurtling into deep space, but...
2: I, yeah, I'm not going to let that bother me.
1: Yeah, let's not think about it. Not um, right now. But I do... Okay, I was thinking. Mm-hmm. We, we have all this stuff. Yep. Why why can't we somehow figure out how to just maneuver it? We'll use Nobot Smarts. He's got Robot Smarts. Super um, smarts. We were able to hack and get into the whole satellite system and everything and mm-hmm. contact via quantum space phone. Uh, the The man who did the voice of Tom Servo during uh, the first season of MST3K, also played Dr. Larry, uh, Dr. Forrester's assistant, and has gone on to do many, many other numerous comedy things that we'll uh, touch on and talk about. Uh, Mr. J. Elvis
2: Weinstein, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing fine, except for I think your quantum phone may have screwed up my hard drive, but we'll get we'll get to that later.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of radiation. I apologize in advance.
0: Okay, I hope hopefully you yeah. can hear me through the hazmat suit. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we can hear you fine.
1: Those things, I think, have microphones on the inside. Mm-hmm. That's true, so, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're coming through
0: great. Fantastic.
1: Uh, so we uh, we kind of outsourced to our fans some questions we had about the first season of MSD3K, particularly your involvement, since it was the only season you were on. Um, and uh, so we're just going to uh, fire some of those at you. Sure way. So it's, uh, it's pretty well known that you and Joel met during stand-up comedy around the Minneapolis area. Uh, could you go into a little detail about how you guys met and uh, then how you kind of eventually became involved with the show
0: uh, sure, uh, I started doing stand up uh, in Minneapolis when I was 15 years old and it was right at the very tail end of Joel uh, had sort of put himself in self-imposed exile from stand up comedy um, for a couple of years, he had he had sort of hit it big been on Letterman and Saturday Night Live and done very well and then he didn't really like his trajectory and just quit um, okay. and so I had been a fan of his as a kid you know while he was on that trajectory but a few months after I started doing stand-up when I was 15 he came back from his exile uh, at the same club I was working which was called the haha ha Club in Minneapolis and uh, um, that's when I first met him and then soon after right. that he decided to teach a sort of creativity stand-up class that uh, I enrolled in and you know from from there we became friends and and we would we would get together and write stand-up bits together and then um, there was a group of Minneapolis comics who had a writing group where we'd meet once a week that Joel eventually joined and one day after that writing group we met at a in at, at a, at a room at a library in Uptown Minneapolis um, Joel asked trace and I to come the next day to KTMA, the local UHF station, and run puppets for this thing that he was doing, and it really wasn't much more uh, explanation than that at the time, um, and so we were more than willing to go there and run puppets for whatever it was, and it turned out to be Mystery Science Theater.
2: That's fantastic origins. That I love is that. really great. Now, did you did you get to choose... Um, when you got there and you saw these robot puppets, did you get to choose or did Joel say hey you're, you're uh, Servo? Or was it something that you were drawn to this little gumball machine headed fellow?
0: I honestly can't honestly answer that. The legend oh, okay. is sort of now that we walked in and gravitated to our puppets. Um, I honestly can't remember if that's the case. I did. I was Gypsy and Servo originally. So I can't even tell you if I gravitated to Gypsy first or Servo first.
1: I got you. So it's, it's not like a, a Pokemon-style origin where you just uh, you saw Pikachu from across the room, or in your case, Tom Servo. No, it
0: may, it may well have been handed to me. In fact, it wasn't Tom Servo at that point. Initially, it was, it was Beeper, Beeper, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I can't imagine I would have been that drawn to playing Beeper, so <laughs> <laughs> it probably got a sign.
1: Fair enough. Well, okay, so uh, so I guess th- it kind of answers this question um, one of our fans gave us, but uh, they're wondering if you had a lot of input in the design of Servo or if you were just responsible for giving him the uh, his personality.
0: The fact that I sort of asserted that I wanted to change the character sort of made Joel want to change the head because that was, of course, Beeper's head and you he couldn't use that. So. <laughs> sure. um, so I think the next time I got the puppet back, it had the gumball machine head on it. Um and then it, it then it went through a full overhaul between the k t m a and the comedy channel year
1: the new coat of paint and
0: uh yeah well, I, I had I had wait. almost i had well I, not even almost i had nothing to do with the robot design or or maintenance or or upkeep.
1: you're just making the jokes
0: i just uh, i did create the tom servo character okay um and you know and that but uh but you know obviously that doesn't really show up on a gumball machine's head you know, so <laughs>
2: Well, speaking of character development, do you think you could uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the development of uh, Dr. Lawrence Earhart? Uh,
0: yeah, what, what character development there was, which was pretty minimal, as, as you, I'm sure you've just witnessed watching season. <laughs> um, a lot of it had to do with I wanted the voice to be different from servos. Okay. So I went with the squealy whiny thing <laughs> to sort of counteract the baritone servo thing. And beyond that, I mean, it was pretty much, uh, hey, you guys are evil and hurry up because we want to go to lunch. (laughs) That was kind of the character development. Trace had sort of this Gregory Peck character that he was doing, and I was just going for whatever my 17-year-old, you know, version of evil scientist was. And it was pretty broad, and, you know, I wish... Sometimes I wish I could have those back a little bit. But, (laughs) uh, you know, I can't really... uh, I can't judge my comic acting chops by my 17-year-old standard, so I, I, I let myself have some slack, but uh, but yeah, it was an underdeveloped character, I'll just say it. It just was it was very developed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose if I had to look back on my 17-year-old creative self, if I had anything as good as that to look back on, I would I would feel lucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but,
0: but at least it's not on YouTube. So. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Yeah,
1: Yeah. no one can put my bad poetry on YouTube. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> well, uh, when it came to the, uh, the movies that you guys uh, picked to riff, did you have any direct input in that? Um, and were there any that you really wanted to do but couldn't because of any sort of logistical or content reasons?
0: Well, it was kind of different. On the first season on KTMA as the local show, uh, we, all we had available to us was the stuff that the station had licensed you know, a station would license a whole package of movies and they'd do it because they wanted the top five on the list uh, but along with those comes 40 pieces of crap and so we would sift <laughs> through the 40 pieces of crap until just we'd watch them just long enough to go okay yeah that'll work for the show and then we'd come in the next day and really improv it um, gotcha and then when we moved to Comedy Central uh, it was HBO uh, was was finding movies for us and sending us ones to choose. Between, um, you know, they were in charge of clearing the rights at that time, and so it was kind of limited to what they sent us, and we could reject or or, or grab something.
1: When I was a kid, uh, watching mst through K, um, I didn't have any uh, knowledge of the uh, the Hollywood sort of background to what must have had to go in the show, and I imagine that all you guys just went to a blockbuster together and rented a bunch of movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, I wish it were that simple. But it was uh, it was always we were at the mercy of what rights could be cleared. And in in answer to your question about were there ones that we wanted to do that couldn't, not really. There was more of a sense of um, like we didn't want to do Plan 9 from Outer Space because at that time that was like held up as the worst movie ever, you know. Yeah, okay. We were trying to avoid that. We did end up doing Robot Monster that year because we didn't have another movie for that week, but we kind (laughs) of wanted to avoid that one. And that ended up being probably a good episode for Mm -hmm. us. In terms of defining what the show was to people but oh, yeah. at first we were kind of trying to not go with the most obvious choices.
2: What was the uh, the writing process like during that first season? I mean how did you guys hash out the the riffs? Did you did you watch the movie and throw out what was there and you know see what stuck or how, how did it go?
0: It really was that it was really all of us sat in a room with with a remote watching the movie and and every time someone said something funny, we paused it so we could write it down in the script, you know, and then we'd go back through it again and kind of do it that way and, you know, just keep, keep watching it and keep throwing things out. And if everyone laughed, it went in.
2: How long did it take to get through like a, an hour and a half movie at, with that process?
0: Uh, that's a day at least. Oh, wow. At least, you know, sometimes a couple of days.
1: So uh, when it came to doing the host segments for the show, uh, were there any that you particularly enjoyed doing, or were there any that you kind of uh, ended up not liking as much?
0: Um, I don't. I don't have that many, you know, pure individual memories uh, of these. Okay. You know, I remember a lot of the sketches. I don't remember shooting them all that much. You know, there was there was fun stuff that we that Trace and I did with the with the scientists. That you know that um, you know I, the. I, Lair's Flesh Barn was one, and I remember the. Yeah. The, I remember that, you know, like the one where he's tossing me the grape in the air, and I snatch it out of the air with my mouth. That we got on the first take. I remember that. Oh, nice. Uh, um, you know, and I remember the head being pasted on me for that uh, for the uh, sort of mutated green uh, Martian look.
2: Yeah. How long and uncomfortable did it was it you know to put that makeup on?
0: Uh, it was super uncomfortable. Um, because, I mean, it really was just—it was a, a Halloween mask where the face was cut out. So it was, so it was basically glued to my head. It's pretty seamless, I got to say. Yeah, just to say they did a great job with it I, for for the for the eight dollar effect that it was. Um, it, it was it was pretty good looking. I had to give it up to them, and I think I have to give it up to all those guys. I have to you know trace, you know trace who. Is, you know sort of self-taught everything you know design the spaceship and design the set and, you know and th- those it was it was neat to work with those guys and it, it really taught me early on that having a whole bucket of skills is a good thing because you can make more stuff that way
1: this is kind of a more specific question this is something that we've been kind of uh it's it's a it's a running theme that we've sort of been debating throughout our watching of season one right um it happened in the middle part of the season. Um, throughout every episode, every time Joel would press the button, uh, when the buttons finally showed up on the table, uh, either like during movie sign or when he'd answer the when the scientists were calling, he would reach down to a bowl of grapes and pop one in his mouth. Right and we were we were kind of hoping there'd be some sort of you know Skinner Box style experiment payoff to this was this something that you guys kind of threw in there as an easter egg or is was there was there something planned that never actually ended up making it into the show no
0: there was nothing planned it was, it was just there for texture it, I think it was just there to sort of reinforce the experimental quality of it all and the, remind you that Joel was a test subject
2: Okay, cool awesome. it, that totally makes sense alright we're gonna I'm gonna nerd out here a little bit um uh so, <laughs> so what should have been the final episode of the first season which was women of the prehistoric planet was actually broadcast as the fourth episode of the first season in the host segments there were some very obvious references to the movies that there to the ones that had not been broadcast yet as well as the announcement of winners to the contest that didn't exist until robot holocaust now was there a particular reason why this episode was pushed forward in the season, or was it like an arbitrary decision by Comedy Central, or excuse me, the Comedy Channel rather at the time?
0: Yeah, it was. I, I think it was a non-arbitrary decision by Comedy. Oh, really? Channel. I think it was. Uh, and I've had this experience in other series that I've worked on. Is when you premiere a series, they really want to put what they believe are the strongest episodes forward. Oh, okay. Uh, because they're figuring that new people are co- for each of those few first few, you know, even six weeks, you're getting new viewers each week, and you want to make it sticky for them, you know. So, okay. in th- okay. in their mind, they thought I'm sure they thought that it was worth messing up the minimal continuity to uh, <laughs> to put what they thought was a strong episode forward.
1: Okay, it was. It was. Uh, was one it a
0: strong our- episode? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. I think that backs me up. Then I think that's why.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it was a. It was kind of a unique look because you know the first three episodes were kind of sparse. There weren't buttons on the table, uh, things like that. But you know, Women of the Prehistoric Planet kind of gave us a look forward into what the show was becoming. Right. And uh, yeah, it yeah it was definitely one of the stronger episodes. So okay, yeah. that totally makes. Yeah, it sense came right. unstuck in time. It was very Vonnegut.
0: I wish I wish there was that creative an intent behind
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> so after the first season, um, you left the show, but then went on to have what many would consider a very very successful comedy writing and producing career, uh, writing for shows like Freaks and Geeks and America's Funniest Home Videos. What things did you take away from your involvement in msd 3 k that uh, maybe kind of helped add to uh, being such a success in the comedy writing world.
0: Um, well, I'll, I'll just have to accept your premise that I was successful. <laughs> uh, but you know, I don't, I, I don't know. I think it's 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 stuff that you know, like for, when I first moved out here to Los Angeles, it wasn't that helpful a credit. Um, I moved out here when I was twenty, and and it was you know, people had. Some people had seen the show, some hadn't, but it hadn't, it hadn't, you know, it was just kind of getting its footing as something that had a following. Um, But I think, you know, overall, it's taught me that, you know, you can make stuff. You don't, you know, you don't need, one of my first jobs uh, in Los Angeles is I was a writer and then head writer of Greg Kinnear's late night talk show on NBC. And there was, you know, there was this huge staff. There was, you know, thirty-some people in the office, and and wow. you know, fifty on stage to create this talk show. Which to me was like, I, I had come from six guys doing everything, <laughs> you know, to the real world of showbiz and unions and all these things. And so I, I've always, you know, I've always known that you can do it simpler than the way they're doing it. And in some ways, that's kind of been frustrating and in some ways it's been liberating because it means that you know between seasons of these shows I can go off and make my own project or you know I can take the money that I made on one of these shows and go make a movie or whatever it is you know
2: Cool it's great <laughs> oh well it's it's up to me to nerd it up again So up. So in the first episode of uh, season 2 the disappearance of Larry is explained by TV's Frank holding up a milk carton with your picture on it
0: and stating he he's
2: missing now
0: Which was, was, for the record, pretty mean. It was pretty right.
2: Okay, well, we want to. I mean, we we feel like we're gonna take this
0: opportunity. They were obviously pretty pissed at me at that point.
2: Well, maybe you could clear the air, and and I don't know if this this could something that could be put on Wikipedia, but as official (laughs) MST3K canon, can you tell us what ended up happening to Dr. Larry? Please, just and, and you know. I don't know if I'm. I author- it all about.
0: I don't think I'm authorized to create. Okay, unofficially. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I think uh, I think you know maybe he came out of the closet. Maybe okay. That, maybe that finally made him happy, and uh, he started uh, a, a software firm. This is probably what he did. He probably once, you know, once he uh, he finally got out of the shackles of 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 society's constraints um he felt free to create a more uh, construct in a more constructive but still profitable way
1: excellent cool did he sell before the dot com bubble burst
0: um you know i think he probably got hammered once Ooh.
1: okay
0: uh, learned from that experience and rebuilt uh, another startup i think his second startup is really the one that made the mark oh. but he, he but he went to school on that first one during the during the late 90s how cool is okay. that
2: you know what's cooler than a million
0: a billion Right. Exactly.
2: (laughs) And he went on to
0: found a company
1: called Facebook. That's right.
0: Well, it seems like Zuckerberg's about that level of dick as Larry. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'd believe it. Changed his name,
0: founded Facebook. And the name, by the way, the name Lawrence Earhart was was meant as a reference to Warner Earhart, um, who was the uh, creator of Est and later the Forum, which was a. uh, 70s sort of mind control, uh, um, self improvement uh, cult, if you will.
1: Okay, I I had no idea. I about it. had no idea either.
0: Look up EST on uh, on Google, and you'll see. Uh, but it was there were there were several friends of ours in Minneapolis at the time who were sort of under the influence of this this this, wow. this, this growth seminar, and uh, and so that was meant as a sort of direct kind of slap at that.
1: You know, that's that's what I find the most rewarding type of comedy is when you can kind of make fun of your friends a little bit. But Right. You
0: know. <laughs> there were plenty of mystery science theater jokes that were only funny to six people in the world. So. <laughs> but they're but, so funny good. to yeah, those six potential people. Audience. It wasn't just that six people got it. It was that only six people could possibly get it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, we've got one more question for you. So, um, since starting our podcast, we've seen an overwhelming interest from fans of MST3K who are watching the series again along with us. Do you have any final thoughts for those people who are still, you know, quote unquote, still circulating the tapes or, you know, still supporting the show almost 25 years after it began?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're out there for sure. You know, I think it's uh, anyone who makes. Art of any kind, you know, wants it to live on, and you know, I think in, in the days that we were making it, I don't think we dreamed that it would. I don't think we dreamed it was even really an option. Um, you know, it just it, it just not how things went. We you, you didn't buy seasons of television on you know on on DVD back then, and so you know, so it's you know, it's amazing to me that a it survived be it survived this long and that it's gaining new fans still it's it's that i mean it's really gratifying it's a fun time to be making things because you kind of know that they aren't just going to float off into the ether the way that they once did
1: as as people who came into the show as as kids and then are rewatching it now um i'm still glad
0: that it exists oh absolutely yeah
2: it's a lot cooler to see it now uh later that i'm smarter and i get a lot more of the jokes
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just so there's so damn many of them that you know that it is it is a show that keeps on giving because you can't possibly catch them all just in one pass. It seems.
2: And I just want to say, and I'm going to put this on the record: you, as Tom Servo, pretty much owned season one. I we do a top five riffs on every show, and the majority of them went to
0: Servo. Oh yeah. Oh well, good. Thank you.
1: Yeah, and and that was that was kind of a. Uh, i i guess the overall sentiment of our fans who wrote in because we asked for people to send us comments about what they thought of season one if they watched along with us and a lot of people the general sentiment was well i'd never really given it a chance because i knew it was there was, you know a, a different cast member as tom servo but man that guy's actually really funny
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you can suck up more of me riffing with cinematic titanics now but uh that's uh like I said, I'm still I'm still glad it's out there. There's a certain cringe factor for me because I was a kid when I did it, so right. you know, I always kind of want to go back and school that kid onto how you sell a joke. But uh, um, but uh, but I you know I still stand behind it and I'm still proud of it and I'm certainly proud to have been a part of it and you know whatever impact I had on the show I'm glad about.
1: No, yeah, it, it was it was fantastic, and yeah. I think that uh, um, hopefully that. Your involvement with the show, even though it was just one season, people will, you know, realize and appreciate because it was it was really, Absolutely. I think, really good. Yeah. So, uh, where can people uh, find you online um, other other than uh, other than obviously this interview? <laughs> um,
0: well, if you want to find out more about Cinematic Titanic, go to uh, CinematicTitanic.com dot or uh, or to uh, Amazon, or we got a bunch of episodes on Hulu now too.
1: Yeah, I, I just, uh, I re-watched the, your guys' first season Oh, good! on Hulu this last week.
0: Um, so check any of that out. If you want to follow me personally, Twitter's the place to be, Twitter slash J. Elvis Weinstein. And uh, I'm busy making a documentary right now that'll hopefully be out uh, in the festivals by uh, early next year, and... And hopefully you'll go see that when it's done. What's it about? It's about a, a rock star and an actor named Michael DeBar, um, who's also worth looking up. But uh, it's a it's it's a story that goes from he was one of the kids To Sir with Love to being on Zeppelin's label to singing at Live Aid to being on WKRP to you know <laughs> just just it's a crazy it's a crazy story. So,
1: man, sounds great. Yeah. Well. Uh, thank you so much for uh, giving us a little bit of your time, answering some of the burning questions we had about literally because uh, of the radiation burning.
0: I understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand. I'm just I'm just getting off the salve now from when I was in space. So.
1: <laughs> well, we uh, we really appreciate your time, uh, Jay Elvis Weinstein. Thank you very much. Good luck uh, with your
0: continuing mission. Thanks for undertaking it.
1: Thank
2: you. Well, no, thank you. It's, it's, it's a pleasure.
1: Oh wow, that was amazing.
2: That was amazing, I that can't believe like that he best. was talking to us, and also that we hacked everything here, basically, and to make it so we could have comlinks now?
1: Well, because we don't have that pneumatic tube anymore, because we
2: had to detach it. I know, it turns out we have a satellite uplink the Bam. whole time, which All explains right. that satellite that we see out our window that's been in geosynchronous orbit.
1: Yeah, it's riding alongside us like a uh, sidecar on a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. It's
2: hilariously fun.
1: I only have one regret from the interview, Mm -hmm. and that's that we didn't ask if he would contact the authorities to have somebody help us or maybe check out that Chuck E. Cheese that is apparently being destroyed
2: by uh rampant ai you know i was just so excited to speak with a cast member from mr science theater that i never even thought about our own well-being You're right well in, in hindsight i
1: think we made the right choice next time though next time yeah i fingers crossed i don't know
2: i just ooh, i'm just so excited i just fan right out you know i am giddy oh i'm i'm giddy as a schoolgirl.
1: yeah <laughs> that's why i'm wearing a skirt uh I was gonna ask, but you know, we were talking to DJ Elvis Weinstein, mm-hmm. so I didn't think that it was appropriate to bring up.
2: Yeah, well.
1: Thank- but, thankfully the zero gravity hasn't wreaked too much havoc on. Nope. So um this is uh the rest of the episode I think we're just gonna give our thoughts on um season one of okay. MST 3 K. We you know, we finished watching it last week and we did. uh yeah. It was I I I don't know about you, but my overall thought was wow i wish i would have checked this out earlier eye opening that's what (gasps) i'm gonna say
2: okay yeah no i i i feel like season one is a diamond in the rough it was so and i'm guilty of this but it's such an underappreciated season yeah it has its rough moments but man there's some gems in there
1: there there are several ah
2: several more than you could count on 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 two hands that's for sure I'm not gonna ask the the difficult and
1: silly question of what was your favorite movie from season one, but what were some of your
2: favorite movies? What were some of my favorite yeah. movies? What
1: what were some of your favorite episodes
2: slash movies? I guess that's Ooh. a better question. Uh I don't know. Perhaps uh, Robot Monster. Yes. But that just seems like such an obvious choice. Right. What about Moon Zero Two? Moon Zero Two but- Moon. Zero ah! Two! Ah! I feel like going to a go-go dance right now. Multicultural, yeah. on the moon. I feel it's like hell- cramming
1: a jazz combo into a shuttle.
2: Yes! Yeah. And just, bam! That movie was Total Recall before Total Recall was Total Recall. Uh-huh. With and I'm not talking of- about the Total Recall remake of Total Recall, but the original Total Recall. Right, totally. You say that enough times, it loses all meaning. I recall. <laughs> <laughs> Um
1: also uh Women of the Prehistoric Planet, very strong episode. And
2: it's a great episode.
1: As as we were uh, explained <sighs> by Mr. J Alice Weinstein. Um uh the comedy channel thought so too, and we yeah. back to the fourth episode. Which, by the way, if we're playing the game of I Told You So was what I guessed happened.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was Nailed my, it. That was my prediction, is that you know, they started off strong. Then went to uh, Robot vs. the Aztec Mummy, which was pretty good, but not as strong. Then went to Slime People, which was... Uh, <laughs> if I had to pick a, a least favorite episode of the season one, it would be the Slime People. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, totally agree with you on that one. Yeah. And uh, then, so the Comedy Channel's like, well, we should really put something here to keep, right. to keep people back. And yeah, it was uh, Women of the Prehistoric Planet. Hey, Although, man. I would have also accepted Robot Monster... Moon Zero Two
2: or Untamed Youth Untamed Youth that was my yep, yep. I was just gonna say that one
1: yeah those would have been better for continuity
2: yeah like. no you're right well and I'm gonna steal Mitch Hedberg's joke again but uh in comedy you gotta start strong and you gotta end strong it's not like pancakes all exciting at first but by the end you're sick of them <laughs> very good I love that bit I, rest, rest in peace Mitch Hedberg R.I.P.
1: yeah um hey remember how much we hated Commander Cody uh yeah yeah,
2: I, I you know I <laughs> I mean really, I don't have
1: anything else. I don't have a follow up. No, 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 no. Yeah. There's nothing
2: else no. that needs to be said. At first, it was charming. Yeah. Oh, Commando Cody. Oh, I like. The, look at this spaceman hurtling through not space, but well, sometimes. And then no, no, he just, never
1: he never actually himself hurtled through space. That's true. They he just was in a ship uh, that was hurtling through space. They
2: a, right. They had a, uh, uh, a municipal bus driver blast them into uh, space to fly them yep. to the moon. Yep. To uh, to
1: fight uh, plywood
2: tanks. Moon people, right? Yeah. Seems like vague. Like a, like. Doesn't that seem like a racist term?
1: Moon like, people. Whoa,
2: a bunch of moon people moved into the neighborhood. The like crater heads. Yeah. <laughs> Got a bunch of cheesies. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa! Are you dating one of them cheesies? No daughter of mine. Yeah. <laughs> we've seen with a crater head. Uh, gosh darn spacers. <laughs> I like that we just coined a new racial epithet For what, uh, cheesies? <laughs> right, for, for yeah. something that doesn't even exist. Oh. Men who live on the moon.
1: Or so we think. <laughs> Science is not proven. Nope.
2: Other than it is, but whatever.
1: Did you know that there were three Commander Cody episodes that we didn't have to watch?
2: That's... good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't mind. I don't really care as to what happened.
1: I don't either, and I'm I'm actually we are able not only to connect our space phone through uh, the quantum the quantum net, uh, yeah, back to uh, Earth. So many also, electrons. Yeah, also the Otternet net is uh you know jumping through the black hole and well, uh, it's
2: Wi-Fi. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty ubiquitous.
1: Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm not finding anything on Autopedia about how Kamen Cody ends.
2: <gasps> you know what? I, I think know, it's because no how one it cares. Ends. I know how it ends. No one cares? Spoiler, nope. Okay. He dies. Okay. It's really dark. Yeah. Yep. I think we fantasized about that. No, uh, that yeah. The, the last
1: episode is Commando Cody's funeral.
2: Yeah. He died. He drank himself to death. So it was really dark. That's
1: the only way they couldn't
2: live on uh, – or they couldn't end
1: on a cliffhanger is if they just <laughs> lowered Commando Cody into a grave in a coffin. Right.
2: And then a like a, a – fighter squadron flew over and just dropped bombs, just carpet bombed the funeral. But I guess if they wanted to, they'd do that cheap trick and show Commando
1: Cody, like, popping out of the coffin and running away before the bombs hit. (laughs) Yep, because that's pretty much what they did every episode. Yep, but man,
2: ah, uh, man, he Commander could never Cody. I,
1: I think we can ubiquitously agree that Commander Cody was the worst
2: part of MST3K season. 1 I agree. Yep, it was the shockingly worst part because, like I said before, it started out charming, it was yeah, fun, fun. It's nipple, nipple, tweak, tweak, and then fly, fly, fly. Ooh, boy, it just got.
1: It got sad. It yeah. got sad, then it got boring. Yeah. Which are two bad qualities to sad have. Sad and boring. And an entertainment
2: oh, product. Man. I, I imagine that's what it's like at a, a nursing home. Very sad and then boring? Sad and boring, yeah.
1: Okay. I'll, uh, I'll bite. I'll go sure. with that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, that, I mean, that, that pretty much covers our views on season one. Yeah. Okay, we had a uh, we had a bunch of questions um, from fans. Uh, some of them made it into a, our uh, interview with uh, Jay Elvis Weinstein. Yep. Um, some of them were directed though specifically toward us, so I think we'll uh, we'll go through some of those right okay. now. Okay. Um, Thankfully,
2: we were able to grab a couple of the paper ones out of the tube before it was severed.
1: Yes, and then oh. also uh, we're still able to check Facebook. And by and the way,
2: our- did you seal that tube off? Because a lot of our oxygen was just going out of it oh yeah i did okay okay
1: yeah i uh we're not gonna be able to play uh oh what's that what's that game were you your you ski ball uh-huh yeah because i used the ski ball ball
2: okay to uh, just shove it in that too okay good no i'm really glad that you were able to save us from oxygen deprivation but at the same time i can't quite explain the dizziness yeah, so. I, I think it's just deep space radiation. Okay. Uh, oh, it's okay. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we've got players. we've
1: got state-of-the-art medical facilities here.
2: Sure, yeah. So we'll, we're fine. Nobody knows some stuff about anatomy.
1: I hope so. We've got the OtterNet and also uh, OddMD. <laughs> and we've got plenty of Rataway. Oh, so, uh, thank
2: goodness. Yeah,
1: we're fine. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so we were able to get some... Uh, some questions from from people either via Facebook or our email uh because I uh, you know you know what I did I just bypassed that tube after we we shoved the ski ball in it and now we just get emails directly the right way not the dumb doctor odd uh, may he I guess rest in peace way. Yeah, I
2: guess and oh let's not it, talk about what it is it kind going of bomb, on yeah. back yeah. there
1: yeah. anyway um so yeah we we got a question um from Steve via Facebook and I'm going to I'll let you field this one first he says uh he starts out. The first sentence is why, uh, and then he follows up with, "I mean, I'm glad you did it, but why an audio log about a show that was canceled ten years ago?"
2: Well, I mean, other than the fact that we were forced to do it under, mm-hmm. you know, the threat of being murdered, yeah, by an, an evil scientist, but uh, okay, it's the uh, internet era, and. You can talk about anything you want to talk about, and if there's a niche there to fill, by the by the heavens, fill it. And here we are. There aren't very many Mister Science Theater three thousand podcasts, and nope. uh, it is They're- providence, if anything, that we happen to just be captured and, and kidnapped by this now probably deceased mad scientist and forced mm-hmm. to watch it and do a podcast about it. And to be fair, it wasn't our idea. We were kidnapped. Right. <laughs> yeah. We were forced into this. So.
1: I mean, technically, we're lucky he's podcasting it, or was. I. How are these still being posted? Ooh,
2: that is a good question. We might just be echoing into the, the vast emptiness of
1: space. I think that we should figure out how he's posting them and start posting them ourselves.
2: That sounds like a lot of work, and I am um, so tired.
1: Yeah, but I'm also really bored most days. I'm really
2: bored, but, man, I've been sleeping for 72 hours straight. Yeah. And then I'm awake for, well, what, eight? 10 hours? We should really check the
1: atmosphere of this now hurling yeah, through spaceship. Because I, guess... I don't think that's normal human behavior.
2: Well, it sounds like a lot of work. Oh, I'm just so tired
1: all the time. Uh, regardless, I have a, uh, a much shorter question, or a much shorter answer to this question. Because it's the best show on television that ever existed.
2: Yeah, that's true. Nope. Few shows have even come close to the glory of Mr. Science Theater 3000. Nope. And I guarantee the ones that have come close
1: definitely don't have 10 awesome seasons. Yeah. And their episodes aren't like an hour and a half long. Yeah. No. Right. And nobody's like 10 doing to podcast of about them. Probably. I know. 10 seasons of MST through K is equal to like 30 seasons of a regular like
2: 22 minute run yeah. TV show. Yeah. In like, terms of content. Like and it's The all Simpsons, great. they're on season like 300, but it stopped being funny 290 seasons ago.
1: Sure. And still not as much content.
2: No. Nope. Yeah. You won't get you won't find it anywhere else. No. No, it's it's fantastic. So, so that's there why. you go.
1: Yeah. That 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 in a nutshell we are forced to do it and it's also the best show on T V. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm dizzy. <laughs> and uh let's see. Oh, he also asked, Is that Ellen McLean doing GLaDOS in the intro? Sure. Why not? You'd have to ask Doctor Odd, he put the thing together. Yeah, he he edits every show. Mm hmm. Yep, and I mean it's possible that we know Ellen McLean,
2: mm-hmm. and it's possible that you know we're friends with some of the people at Valve and it's possible that Jeff and I have been playing Half-Life 3 and it's awesome but we're not allowed to talk about it mm-hmm.
1: and it's possible that Gabe Newell is looking at us and shaking his head right now from mm-hmm. two cubicles over but that's neither so here nor there so you bad. wonder why Half-Life 3 is not us because Gabe Newell is up here in space with us yep He's mouthing. You're not supposed to tell anybody. Be quiet. Okay, we should uh, we should move on.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the technical stuff. You can thank him, by the way. Mm-hmm. So let's move on. Yep. Yeah,
1: Here's you should. Uh, yeah, I hope that answers your question, Steve. Um, Adam uh, from Facebook had a couple questions. He said, uh, "Whatever happened to the actress that played Valeria in Robot Holocaust?" Oh, and uh, we actually looked this up. Um, she played a part after after Robot Holocaust. Yep, she went on to play. A very important part. Oh my God! Pivotal, pivotal role. A, what, was this a, a, a miniseries? It was a TV
2: miniseries. Yeah, yeah. one of the, okay. one of the greatest. I mean, you one of the greatest TV miniseries of all time.
1: Oh, absolutely! It was called Wilder Western. Oh, West Ten. Oh, Wilder Weston? Oh, sorry. I, yeah. I, I was so excited to read the title of this well-known miniseries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, it
2: was one of uh, Dieter Waddell's uh, best works. I mean. You can't go wrong with uh, Christina Yanda and just
1: yeah, and and Peter Stebeck.
2: Yeah, well, Katja, and Katja, Katja Stutt. Stutt and yeah, Grab Yeah,
1: a lot of Germans. Yeah, yeah. Well, show.
2: I mean, Felix von Mantufel. Yeah.
1: So what? Uh, what part did she play on this?
2: Uh, she played Hans in Fragen Hudenbaben. Oh wait, no, that's that's German. I'm sorry. I, ugh. She played airport employee. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. So she went on to play airport employee in the German miniseries Wilder Western, comma inclusive. Wilder Westen. Wow. Sorry. I'm this sorry. Is very I, I'm so excited about this. I would be mispronouncing all my children as well <laughs> because it's just such a wordless. like yeah. Well, I'm and I'm gonna slash soap opera. I'm a break.
2: stickler for the Germanic languages, and uh actually, this is Wilder uh, Westen. Wilder Westen. Yeah. called the inclusive
1: yeah 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 yeah
2: i don't know what inclusive means in german
1: um hey your guess is as good as mine i don't know yeah
2: but that's what she did
1: yep she went on to be german
2: she went on yep she became german after this they're just like hey you get the accent why not speak the the language
1: and she did one thing she's like i'm done
2: yep man i gotta go back to space
1: uh She's apparently on Facebook, but her profile is, is set to private. Which is yeah. Yeah.
2: Which is the worst thing.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. But if you want to reach out to her there, she's uh she's there. Yeah. So Just Hope that's your a question. Hearty,
2: uh, if you get a seat in.
1: Yeah. Oh and Adam was also wondering why and whose idea was it to have so much fog and slime people.
2: Oh that's an easy one. Uh huh. People, The fog machine lobby yeah they're I was very, gonna say the the fog the fog lobby yeah yeah they're very powerful out yeah. in, out in california hmm in fact uh a lot of people didn't know this but um uh, gorillas in the mist was a direct <laughs> result of the power of the fog lobby okay yep yeah well,
1: they uh they before that the, it was just uh, called gorillas sure yeah it was just called gorilla hands in ashtrays um <laughs> The Fog Lobby is also responsible for all the special effects and programming for the uh, Silent Hill for the PlayStation 1. Yep, yep. Um, see, well, what happened was, you know, Slime People came out, what, in 1963, I think?
2: Yes. Yep.
1: And uh, so you're coming off of World War II and the Korean War. Before that, the Fog Lobby had had all of their assets invested in Fog of War. Oh, yeah. Which, if you ever played a, a real-time strategy game, you'll know is an integral part of the strategy surrounding war, is the Absolutely. fog of war. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you hit 1963. It's pre-Vietnam. Um, there's still you know minimal conflicts around the world, but the fog lobby isn't seeing as much revenue from the fog of war as right. they were uh, previously. So then they had to figure out how to monetize other areas
2: of oh, yeah. uh, business. And yep. so they decided to go into the film enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, the culmination of their power was the 1980 uh, John Carpenter film, The Fog. Okay. Yeah.
1: That and the uh, the the uh, the popular video game um, where you have to take a little cloud and guide it across a busy street, Fogger.
2: <laughs> That's a good game.
1: Kids <laughs> yes. are always playing that down at the pizza parlor. Uh huh. Getting grease all over that
2: trackball. They love the. F- <laughs> So that explains it. It has a lot to do with uh, political chicanery.
1: Uh? Uh-huh. Yep. I mean, it's there's some people who tell you that, you know, the Cuban fog crisis was just a uh just just an invention of the fog lobby. Mhm. They they were the ones who provided Fidel Castro with all that fog. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a it it's has. a crazy world we used to live in. Now we're yep. up here in space. Yep.
2: So, yeah, the Illuminati we, uh, and and fog.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Illum- Foggy.
2: Illuma yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I want to. Uh, that, those are those are all the uh, the questions we got that we didn't cover uh, previously. I want to give a, a quick shout out um, to a couple of our listeners, our friends uh, Matt and Rick. Perfect. Um, a couple of Rick's questions went into uh, the. Uh, J. Elvis Weinstein interview and Matt had a couple questions for us that were kind of more of what we we're going to do in season two, and I'm not sure, Matt. We're we're Oh my God, right we're now. lucky
2: to be alive at this point. Yeah. How so long is that going to last? last. I, I have no idea,
1: but I'll uh, I'll try and get back to you via via odd mail. Um, if I mean I assume that this connection, this quantum uh, this quantum internet, what are we calling this? I don't I don't know. The quantum, the quantum phone quantum phone connection it's it's quantum phone dsl uh i assume that's gonna last because you know it's it's like it's like the mass effect drive from mass effect but you know it's presumably it works better and uh but you know that's just conjecture on our part yeah so we'll see but uh yeah season two we do have some very exciting stuff coming absolutely. up absolutely um, uh and yeah uh but that's about it i think that's that's about it for our season one wrap-up that's Don't it. We're
2: wrapped. Do
1: you have any hey, final thoughts we... on season one?
2: Yeah, yeah, I hope... I mean, it was a great season, and I hope we survive for season two.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're... I think we're leaving a very terrifying presence and enemy behind on Earth. Uh, but we're also hurtling into the depths of the unknown. Which well, is equally that. as terrifying.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, But... If you want to continue to follow our exploits, uh, as long as they continue, as long as we are still alive, uh, you can. We are at MST3K underscore podcast on Twitter. Yep. Um, We're at Facebook.com slash Gizmonic Institutes Radio. That's Institutes with an S. Yeah. And uh, you can send us emails at mail at GizmonicInstitutesRadio.com. Do it. Yeah. Because we we can get them now. Yeah. Hey, Seth, you know what my favorite, favorite, favorite thing is in the whole wide world? What's that? It's when people leave us iTunes ratings. Interviews. Oh, my
2: God. That's my favorite thing, too. I know. Oh, man. When people leave us a review, it it, it does many things for us. First of all, it makes us happy. Mm-hmm. And happiness, that's hard to come by when you're just hurtling through space. Secondly, it, it if you leave a, a star rating... What does that do? It increases our uh, viewership. Mm-hmm. You can, people on iTunes can see us more readily yeah. if we have more stars. So it says, the,
1: "Hey, you like all this other stuff. You like this thing too." You it's would like so this, great. and I bet
2: people would like this. Yeah, yeah. People who like Mystery Science Theater three thousand, especially. Absolutely. And it's a great way to go back and watch Mystery Science Theater. And you know, you're probably missing some stuff. You yeah. Adult. <laughs> you,
1: you dummies. Yeah dummies. Well calling, calling people dummies isn't a good way to get reviews. Oh, <laughs> I mean you smarties pay more yeah. attention because <laughs> you're so smart. Yeah, but thank you to everyone who's uh who's written us a review or given us a star rating. Yeah. Um, we we've we've been around for a whole season. We have a modest amount of reviews. I'd like to see it double. I would like to two. see it double as well. Yeah, because you know, you love you love MST three K and we love MST 3 K. We love making this show and when you guys uh like like Seth said, give us reviews. It helps more people find the show. Yeah. And uh, then they can watch along with us and watch along with you. And then there's just a whole big happy family of people right. who love the best show that,
2: in my opinion, has ever aired on It just Earth snowballs. It's, it is. And then it turns into an avalanche of fun. A yep. fun avalanche. Instead of dying, you just – you smile.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a smile. It's like being caught up in a giant Katamari ball.
2: Yes. Yeah. Right.
1: I, I imagine that's not terrifying at all. No, no. no. You're
2: Couldn't only in be. there with shrimp and, and, and giant Japanese robots.
1: And cat clocks and batteries and gold pieces. And,
2: yep. Yeah. Little weird lanterns. Mahjong pieces. Uh huh. Ma- mice. Mice. Other yeah. Japanese uh, idiosyncrasies that Pool I can Cool balls
1: spinning around in a roulette table. Sure. You know, all
2: of the staples of the Katamari Damacy
1: mm-hmm. franchise. Mm hmm. But that could be you, folks. Could be. Mm. Anyway, that is the end of our season 1 wrap-up show. Uh, that was a
2: good wrap-up.
1: Yeah, please join us uh we will begin watching season 2. Should we week. survive? Yeah, should we survive? I'm planning on it, you know. I'm it,
2: I'm going to fight
1: for it. I am absolutely going to fight for it. Yeah. So, uh yeah, we'll uh we'll be watching season 2, so uh you know. Um Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh Thank you all for making this show a success. And most of all, thank you for showing me that tomorrow is worth living for. Mm -hmm.
1: Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week when we start watching season two. Uh...